Greetings. My name is Mike Grain. Welcome to the Walton Supply Chain Center, focusing on on-shelf availability. 2024 kicks off in a good fashion with my good friend, Emil Martinez. He is the general manager of TCS Consulting, spent a lot of his time in retail, focused against retail, third-party services such as IRI, Nielsen, et cetera. He and I sit down and chat about what is the status of retail in 2024. Let's get started. Well, we're glad you're here. And Mike, uh, so many folks who have been following your group are very familiar with who you are. But why don't you start off by giving uh, an introduction? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you. Um, so my name is Mike Grain. Uh, I have uh, spent a career uh, working in the kind of retail and CPG space. Uh, got um, and, and I've uh, really been focusing on two couple different areas. But I started out with Procter and Gamble. Spent twenty five years with Procter and Gamble. It's actually where I met my good friend Emil here. We'll get into more of that here in a second. But spent twenty five years at Procter and Gamble, and twenty of those twenty five years was uh, working up against uh, the biggest customer we had, which was Walmart. Uh, and you'd love to say, let's go build a business together, but it was really kind of a negative kind of confrontational and transactional situation that we really wanted to create a strategic partnership. So they sent an IT guy down to uh, to work with uh, with Walmart. I spent 25 years there, got to do a lot of things with, uh, you know, connecting solutions like emails and you know, putting things on EDI versus fax machines, believe it or not. Uh, Emil, you'll probably laugh at that, but we literally had all... <laughs> All of our purchase orders and invoices were on fax when I first got down there. Uh, got to be involved, very actively involved with Retail Link. Uh, uh, I actually worked inside of Walmart for about a year working on Retail Link, which was a really, really good time. And then in 2003, we got involved with Walmart on some technology called RFID, uh, which we'll spend some time talking about today. But I did that for about uh, 20, 25 years or so. And then I left and went to Walmart and I was working on all things on shelf availability related, RFID, shelf scanning robots, algorithms, all kinds of different things. Uh, left Walmart, uh, I guess just a couple of years ago officially, because I was under contract with them for a while. Uh, and now I'm working with other retailers, solution providers, and CPG companies on, on shelf availability. Yeah, great stuff, Mike. And Emil, uh you know, you and I, I, I'm amazed, have not crossed path, paths in the in the years that we've both been in the uh, in the Walmart supplier community. Maybe we have and just don't realize it. But tell us a little bit about yourself. I, you know, I'm amazed as well, Matt. You'd think we have at least chewed some of the same earth over the course of the the last 25 years for sure. So uh, my name is Emil Martinez. I have been in the sort of the the retail industry space for the last 35 roughly years. A good chunk of it on the syndicated information side in the last almost 10 years on the consulting side of the space. So um, the last nine and a half or so years, I've been with TCS, one of the largest you know, technology and systems integrators. I, I lead the consulting uh, organization for the retail segment globally for TCS. Prior to that, I was the president of IRI Retail globally. And prior to that, I was with uh, now the second half of what now has become Circana, the IRI-NPD combination. And uh, then a, about a 10-year stint with Nielsen, which is actually where I met Mike, you know, originally as I was sort of transitioning to uh, UCCNet 
which was part of uh, what's now GS1. So I've kind of spent you know a career in and around the information services space, but very tethered to retail, and in particular tethered to how retailer uh, retailers and consumer packaged goods or FMCGs you know sort of interoperate. You know how data is at the intersection of that process, and in, in my mind, you know on shelf availability and the data related to it is just the next evolution or the next iteration of where data and, and opportunity sort of meet. Yeah. Great stuff. Listen, I've got some questions to sort of uh, guide each of you through the, this conversation for our, our guests. Emil, I want to start with you. Talk about the world as you see it. Talk about uh, sort of the, the status of the retail industry broadly. Talk about some of the trends that you're seeing and uh, sort of your, your opinion broadly about the current state of the industry. Sure. So, you know, I, I think the industry is in, you know, kind of a transition. You know, a lot of folks throw around the term transformation, and there's certainly a lot of that going on. But I see it kind of as transformation is really kind of, kind of the combination of transition and modernization as they meet each other. So you see this sort of fusion of things going on. So if you think about, we talk heavily about omnichannel, right? Omnichannel really is just a fusion of the physical and the digital world. So call it the physical store and the e-commerce capabilities, bringing them together in a synchronized fashion so that they can operate with one face. Um, I like to talk about, you know, how you think about Amazon, you know, today, and we're all so tethered, you know, to folks like Amazon and Walmart and, you know, and the ability to leverage their online presence and so on. And, and the interesting thing about it really is that both of them are really just embracing what Montgomery Ward and Sears did 100 years ago through their catalogs. It's a digitized version of the world. And then you sort of layer around that. So, you know, what's happening around the industry that's that's trending are, you know, things like enhanced data sources, things like master data management, things like, you know, generative AI or AI in terms of new ways to leverage data, you know, sort of in a bigger, better, faster, stronger fashion. You know, so at the end of the day, the trends all kind of go to the same place. It's how do you get to the customer, you know, at that zero moment of truth, whether that's physical or digital, in a fashion that you're in the best informed fashion to have what they want when they want it. And very importantly, that it's available to them when they want it and where they want it within the supply chain, whether that's physical last mile fulfillment to their home or whether that's physical fulfillment in terms of pickup or in store, you know, shopping and, you know, uh, experience at the end of the day, it's all about the customer. Yeah, Mike, uh, same question to you. You've certainly seen an awful lot of change in your 40 years in the industry. Talk a little bit about the world as you see it. Yeah, you, first off, Emil, for all the people that you just dated, you're going to have to tell them who Montgomery Ward is. Just, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> we got a whole bunch of people that are going, who? <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think the same thing. So, so here's my big takeaway um, people have more choices than ever. You have a device in your hand, which was basically now going to get you the product you want. Brand loyalty is key. People want what they want. And the retailers are struggling, in my opinion, to keep up because I'm not going to be loyal to a, I'll just throw a few names out, Walmart or a Best Buy or a Target if Amazon has it and nobody else has it. I'm going somewhere else. And I've got this quote. So, so the bottom line is it's people are going to find what they want 
through whatever avenues they want, and retailers are going to pay the consequences if the stuff's not there. So uh, I've got a slide here from Doug McMillan. I love I love Doug McMillan. He is extremely good at putting things real simple. But he had this quote, and Sam Walton had a similar quote. Doug McMillan, for those of you who don't know, is the president and CEO of Walmart Stores. It's really simple. If you're not meeting the needs and wants of the customer, you're done. There's a lot of loyalty there, right? And he lives by this. And here's the other thing he lives by. He lives by, and he may have changed this from, from since the last time I talked to him, but he has a copy of his phone. His screenshot when he first picks up his phone is this chart. It is a series of from 1950 to 2017, who are the largest retailers? Top 10, okay? And I'm not going to make any obvious claims, but Sears was the biggest for a while. Walmart then took over. And guess what? Sears is now gone. So once you grow the channel and you're on top, when you start sliding down, if you're not meeting the customer's needs, you're done. And, and so Doug has this really good way of keeping it real simple. It's all going to be about the customer. It's got to be about the associates who are taking care of the customer, et cetera. So my perspective, that hasn't changed since the first store opened. What has changed is the fact that we all have many computers in our hands 24, seven days a week. We're going to get the products we want. We don't have a lot of loyalty to the retailer, but we do to the product. So retailers, are you measuring what you've got and where is it located so you can meet them needs? Because if not, they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah, great stuff. Emil, question for you. Um, you know, this this uh, the summit is really all about people, processes, and technologies that are improving on shelf availability. Talk talk in terms of each of those three each of those three things and what are the most um, uh, what are the most important what are driving the most most change right now as you see it in terms of people processes and technologies. So you know I think um, you know two things are affecting it and into what Mike just said you know and to Doug's quote you know the reality is if you don't meet the customer where they are and with with what they want you're done. Right. So in stock availability is critical path. So, you know, significant people process technology investments around, you know, understanding really three aspects of this one, you know, being really clear about what the item is and how you're positioning it, what problem sets, how you can query it, how you can, in essence, meet the customer's experience. So live where they are. If they're Googling for something or, you know, searching for something on your space, that your master data doesn't serve that query in a fashion that it gets that gets you to it efficiently, you're done. You know, secondly, you know, if, uh, you know, if your supply chain isn't clear about what you have and where you have it available to them, or if by chance you think you have things that are not there and they get purchased and you then disappoint the shopper by, in essence, having them come to pick it up and it becomes substituted, or you come to pick it up and it's not physically in the store, or it gets cut from your order, or even worse, it's it's you actually have it, but your systems aren't precise enough to be able to let the customer know that you have it, you've lost that sale potentially forever and potentially lost that customer to come back. So, you know, that's sort of the second piece of the puzzle. And then the third piece of the puzzle is sort of how do you enhance those things? So it's not just about the systems and the data. It's about ensuring that you have the, the mechanisms that give you the sensing ability to understand what you have and where you have it. 
So the last moment of truth, you know, physically in the store, the biggest challenge, I think, has always been knowing what's physically in the store at any point in time. And we've implemented systems over time, you know, uh, computer assisted ordering and, you know, those kinds of things. And we've dabbled with RFID, you know, and in some retailers, they've embraced it heavily. In some cases, we've embraced robots to try to understand physical compliance and, and done a good job in those areas. But at the end of the day, I think it's this constant journey, you know, toward really understanding what's in the store, what's available, in what location it is, and how do I make it the most efficient experience possible for the customer to get from point A, which is I desire X, or I need X to I now now know where that that item is from my limited consideration set of, of retail partners that I'm looking for it in to I now have it physically in my person on my person and I can leverage it however I saw it in the shortest possible time. You know, everything from I order it now and it gets delivered to me in, in, in within an hour through some of those services to I ordered it now and I'm going to go pick it up you know, within an hour or so, what's that short possible window I can get that fulfillment model to operate so that the customer says to themselves, everything is available to me sort of in a ubiquitous fashion and on demand. Yeah, great stuff. Mike, uh, availability, formerly known as in stock, is something that the industry has been wrestling with since since the earth cooled. Uh, certainly in my 35 years <laughs> in, in retail, we've been talking about that. And a lot of folks will say, you know, retail is such a simple business. Why are we still struggling with this? And on the other hand, the business has gotten all kinds of complicated in the last decade, especially. Uh, talk in terms of of on-shelf availability. Talk in terms of how things have changed and, and why it is that it still continues to be top of mind for, for, uh, for, for the leaders at every retailer. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of different reasons. First off, just to take an item, any item, I've got a pair of glasses here, okay? To be able to get all the raw materials, the screws, the glass, the metal, the rubber, all the pieces that go into a pair of glasses to manufacture that together and then seamlessly share that from manufacturing through distribution, through a warehouse, to the back of a store, to get it on a shelf. You think about all the things that can possibly go wrong. There's a lot of them, right? Um, and, and, and by the way, it's usually the last hundred yards of the toughest part, right? Getting it to the building is usually the, the easiest part. I think that's the first one, Matt, is it's just a challenge. I think it was the day the first retail store ever opened up and it will be the day the last retail store shuts down that this is going to be an ongoing problem. Uh, problem is people talk and, you know, I'll correct, I, I'm not going to correct, but I, let me just talk to, to Emil for a second. In stock is fairly easy to measure because it's how much do I have and how much do I think I sell? The problem is that doesn't accurately reflect whether that product's on the sale. So a lot of people say, hey, we're in stock is good. We got 12 and we think we'll sell five, so we're in good shape. Well, the reality is the on-hand in the store is probably only about 50% accurate anyway. On-hand accuracy is a big issue. That's why a lot of retailers are going to technologies like RFID to fix that. And the daily demand is a forecast. So I got two numbers that I know are wrong. I'm using them to measure what do I have available for the customer. The, the second one, which is on-shelf availability, is is it available for the customer to purchase? Is it available in the store? Is it available online? Uh, go and pick up in store. Otherwise, not as buy online, pick up in store, or BOPUS. Is it going to be available to, to me? 
I did my own little survey, Matt. I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, I actually, there's a lot of statistics about the cost of this, et cetera, but I ran my own little statistic on LinkedIn and I ran it over a couple of weeks and I thought this was fascinating. These are, these are retail professionals, professionals in general. Tell me about your on-shelf availability issues. Yeah, I spelled availability wrong. It still bugs me. But anyway, 30, <laughs> 44% respectively said, okay, but too many out of stocks or out of stock, right? So the, the problem has not gone away. It's still out there. The question is what we're, one of the things we'll talk about later is how do you measure on-shelf availability? It's hard to measure. It's really, really hard to measure. We'll talk about some of that stuff. But number one, it's a very difficult challenge. Number two, if we don't have retailers and CPG companies actively measuring their on-shelf availability, not their in-stock, their on-shelf availability, then how in the world do you know how you're doing? Okay? We, everybody measures sales, labor and all these things. If you went to a retailer and said, what's your on-shelf availability? They probably said, well, our in-stock is 12 or whatever the number happens to be. That's not what I asked you. What's available for the customer? And they'll probably, you probably won't get a really good answer. So I, to me, to me, that's the biggest challenge is you can't measure it real effectively. Uh, and it's hard, but it's something I think is critically important for the industry. Yeah. Good stuff. Abel, back to you. Given your background at IRI, at Nielsen, at TCS, what are some of the current focus areas regarding data sharing across the retail supply chain? And what are some of the implications of, of that sharing? So, you know, it's an interesting journey. Um, you know, the, the whole data sharing, whole data aggregation, you know, space has continued to evolve. So I started in the space in, in 1989, you know, a long, long time ago, uh, pre-laptops, for those of you that uh, were not understanding Montgomery Ward you know, earlier as a reference, um, you know, so lots of evolution in terms of data processing capability, data availability, um, you know, data cadence, meaning what was the update, you know, and frequency available of new insights. And, and where things seem to be trending right now is towards more of a data sharing model, but in a monetized fashion. So virtually every retailer is saying to themselves, you know, like aggregators have said for years, the money isn't necessarily in the process. The money is in the insight that drives the process. So, you know, where historically it's really been about share, you know, and volume and the related kinds of things around how a product is moving, you know, from retailer to consumer packaged goods and, and out to consumer. Uh, now we're trying to measure everything from, you know, the pulse of inventory, you know, sort of supply chain inventory status, you know, to on-shelf availability, which is, in my mind, an enormous emerging opportunity to, to monetize for retailers, uh, you know, through third parties. I would suggest using a third party rather than trying to, you know, be a data organization themselves. Uh, lots of opportunities in those areas, but it, we're at an inflection point where they're not quite fully evolved. We got a little bit of piece of this and a little piece of that and some real opportunity here and some opportunity there. But unlike, you know, sort of the POS, you know, or consumer panel data sources that have become, you know, relative, relatively available and, and somewhat commoditized, you know, these are really at their infancy. The opportunity for, you know, CPG firms to have insight into what on-shelf availability per what Mike had just described in terms of the differences between in-stock and on-shelf availability, you know, available for sale, 
in a near real time environment where they can start to make trajectory changes. You know, we're right in the middle of, you know, sort of the busiest time of the year for retailers from December to call it February 1st, right? You know, the, the massive, you know, business between, you know, Super Bowls and holidays and all the kinds of events that drive, you know, significant change. If there's ever a time of year where understanding what's available for sale and connecting the consumer to that process, this is the time of year. This is when the game is lost or to Doug's quote, you know, if you're not meeting them where they are, you're done. Right. So the opportunity to take that data, push it into the process in a fashion that makes everybody bigger, better, faster, stronger, makes the CPG sharper, makes the retailer sharper is a massive opportunity, a huge inflection point for the industry that I think is emerging. We're getting there. I think we're starting to get reasonable sort of bobblehead doll alignment. Everybody's bouncing their head up and down saying, yeah, we got to do this. But I'm not sure it's really come to fruition in a point where, you know, folks have adjusted their sort of the people and process approaches, you know, to how they're consuming it, operationalizing it on a daily basis. But in my mind, that's where the opportunity lies and the implications of it are massive. As I mentioned at the kickoff of this conversation, Mike started an on-shelf availability small group with us um, about 18 months ago, a year ago, May, a year ago this past May, and uh, that small group is not so small anymore. And the, <laughs> the reason for that is because Mike has been hosting a lot of great conversations sort of reinforcing the importance of on-shelf availability. Uh, availability, as well as talking about some of the different techniques that companies are using to measure it, uh, algorithms and audits and shelf chain robots, RFID, et cetera. Uh, Mike, talk about the talk about the group, uh, maybe a little bit a different twist than you were expecting on this question, but talk about the group, uh, talk about why OSA remains so important, which you've already sort of alluded to, and then touch on each of those uh, each of those techniques for measurement. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a couple things. Let's just go back. Why is this even important? And then how do you measure it? So we all we all basically said on shelf availability is important. Why? Well, Doug already said if you don't keep if you don't meet the needs of your customers, there's no loyalty there. Uh, just to build on that, here is a chart that McKinsey put together. This one was interesting. For those people who tried to go in and pro buy products, 62% of them could not at least purchase one of their items. That's 62% of the people are disappointed every shop. Not of every item, but at least of a item. Of those 62, 39% switched to a different brand. So in that environment, if I'm P&G and it was out of stock, I moved, moved to Unilever. P&G lost in that situation. Number two, they switched to a retailer. So 32% of the time, they went to a different retailer. Say, forget this. I'm bringing out my phone. I'm using the retailer's Wi-Fi to order from Amazon. That's the ultimate slap in the face. The retailer actually helped to buy, helped the customer to buy something at a, a competitor. 13% uh, waited and 16 just gave up. So the problem is real, right? So how do you know what you have and where is it located, et cetera? We've already mentioned that on shelf bill is important. How many retailers can deliver a chart that looks like this? This is on-shelf availability in a retail store, and I'm measuring to make sure that my goal is 95% on-shelf availability. Because, by the way, nobody can be 100% because nobody could afford that. It would be astronomically expensive. But 95% is a pretty good goal, and the more you could push that north of that, that's good. But who's measuring saying, I'm not meeting target or, or, or I'm the target, not target the store? This is the kind of stuff you need to do and where you're not meeting goals like 
sales goal or ROI goal, et cetera, where you're not meeting target, you go and do plans to meet target. And, and Emil and I are fun, you know, funny. We, we, we've been the, the whole data sharing business a long way. One of my favorite quotes, I think Emil, you came up with this. Maybe we came up with it together, but a number by itself is meaningless unless you compare mm -hmm. it to something. So somebody says I'm 15% higher than I was, or I'm 15% increase. What? I don't know if that's good or bad, right? So this compares a target, which is 95% to how you're doing. Well, I hope you enjoyed part one of our discussion with Emil Martinez, uh, who is my good friend from TCS Consulting. Please rejoin us next time as we wrap up our conversation, uh, finishing out our conversation with Emil. Take care.